Welcome to episode 215 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss week one of the NRL finals, the Catalans, Dragons, comeback of the century, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 215 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me, Tish, we are at the finals, finally. (laughs) That's why they call it the finals. Finally, we're here. The NRL finals are upon us. Are you pumped? Wow. Yes, I am absolutely pumped. It's going to be uh, a great final series, and we're finally here uh, after, like, you know, a crazy season as always. But, um, you know, it was a, a very interesting round over the weekend. Um, forgetful. Uh, well, I want to forget some of the part, bits of it. Um, but, yeah, but it's been absolutely super, and here we are, the finals. Uh, you know, spring is it upon us, and, um, <laughs> you know, and it's uh, what it's like a – what, what did I say? It's like a, a like spring is like the birth, or like you know we're like you know all the you know birthing season or something like that. Um, well, it's oh, like it's the re- rebirth, is it, of the re- rugby league? Yeah, well, it's the kind of the rebirth of the competition. The competition starts again with eight teams and four weeks to go, and uh, it's going to be very interesting how it all uh, transpires over the next few weeks. I'm sure. Absolutely, all the dodgy leaves have gone now to celebrate <laughs> Mad, Mad Monday. Absolutely. <laughs> no longer are they to participate in the season. It's all about the top eight. But look, we've got a big one lined up today. We're going to obviously go through the, uh, the our review of the final round because there were some absolutely killer games and things that happened. Uh, we're going to briefly do a detour to the uh, uh, the UK to look at uh, what I would classify the comeback of the century by the Catalans Dragons, a very historic occasion for them as well. We'll get to that soon. And then we're going to just dive into each of the upcoming games in week one of the NRL Finals series. Uh, and, and yeah, and we'll give our tips at the end and we'll see how we're going. So without any further ado, let's get into the uh, six tackles. And here's the first tackle, the NRL Round 25 wrap. Here we go. Right, so the uh, the big weekend, the final round of the season proper, began with the Roosters flogging Canberra forty to sixteen, mm. which uh, pretty much uh, destroyed their chances of getting into the finals. So I did say to you, Tish, that the first three games would be kind of very crucial to the makeup of the top eight. Uh, and it certainly panned out that way. So here we were thinking that the Raiders would start off the the round with a win over the depleted Roosters, but it wasn't to be. The Roosters put them to the sword, forty to sixteen, uh, thus ending the uh, the Ricky Stewart Cup 
and the Ricky <laughs> and the chances of the Ricky Stewart Raiders yep. um, making it to the top eight. That would be a pretty disappointing end, I would think, to the season for them. They had they had the chance there to um, to you know get the jump on the Sharks and the Titans, who were snapping at their heels. Well, well, in this case, it was actually the Sharks were ahead of them, so they they could have leapfrogged them, but they, yeah. it wasn't to be. So. Uh, yeah, look, quick, uh, did you have a look at this game? What were your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I watched this game and um, I felt that the Raiders played their worst game of the season <laughs> this, they did, this yeah. week. You know, it was it was just sort of all over the place. I think their last, you know, their last tackle options were a bit atrocious. I, th- I think the thing is, I mean, Jack Whiten is definitely a great player, but, you know, his kicking game is still something he's developing and they really need a really good partner for him. Um, I suppose they had that last year, but then, you know, people getting homesick, uh, you know, kind of stopped all that. But the, but they really needed somebody else to be a good sort of um, thing. And it was just very stop-start from them. And obviously the Roosters were, I mean, they, were, they weren't at full strength either. They had a, a few players out, I believe, a few players resting, um, you know. Um, so they've got some good players coming back into their round this week. So... Really disappointing to see the way Canberra finishing off that season. And look, with Canberra and the Roosters, there's always some sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, craziness to the game. And there is the, um, there's the kick out. Uh, there was that. There was actually a penalty. Got no, no, a like a try conversion um, where he was awarded, um, you know, the kick from the sideline. The the Roosters, um, the Roosters sideline kicker. But if you look at the replay, and certainly when I watched the live, it looked like it didn't go over. So, um, <laughs> so and there, and there, there was a, a few different angles that apparently some people were blowing up on Twitter and even fans at the ground were saying, how come they gave it two points? He clearly missed it. So there, there, there was a bit of craziness like that, but it didn't, it didn't cost them the game. Uh, they, they cost themselves the game. And there's no no truth to the rumor that uh, Benny Elias was in the bunker <laughs> adjudicating on that crossbar situation. But um, look, ironically, the venue was named BB Print Stadium. I think when it comes to the Canberra season, I think it should be renamed the BB Shred Stadium because I think they were shredded shredding their papers. Uh, it's all over. The Roosters though proceeded. To uh, well, for the time being, uh, leapfrog Manly into the top four at that point in time. So then we proceed to Friday's game. So Friday's game, Cronulla Sharks versus Melbourne Storm, uh, absolutely critical. A win to the Sharks would see them very much guaranteed, uh, especially after the Canberra game, <laughs> guaranteed a place in the top eight. And a win to the Storm would see them guaranteed a... Um, minor premiership, and that's what ended up happening. Twenty-eight to sixteen. It wasn't as convincing as we would have expected from the Storm, mm. but they did what they needed to do, um, and and that was a, an early Friday game. Uh, Tish, before we get to the next one, uh, did you uh, manage to catch this game at all? No, I I, I didn't see this one. But um, again, uh, the Sharks have all to play for, right? You know. And come up with a performance that 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 sort of uh, you know doesn't get them the win. I know it's against Melbourne, but I think Melbourne resting some of their big guns. And, and yeah, the interesting thing is they sacked uh, John Morris this year, who got him into the finals for the last two years in eighth spot. 
they sack him earlier in the year and they end up in ninth position. So, um, <laughs> you know, so beware of, of sacking the coach too early in the season, particularly one that's getting you to the finals. Yeah, that's right. Be careful what you wish for because, uh, yeah, I mean, in this case, I, I did catch uh, some of this game and I thought, look, similar to the Raiders, I think the Sharks were very frustrating to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they had it all to play for. They had a weakened Storm side and they just couldn't put it together. They were ineffectual in attack, um, frustratingly so and on many occasions. Uh, I just didn't know what they were doing half the time. Uh, lots of brain explosions. You know, people like Matt Moylan making silly mistakes, these kinds of things. You can't, you know, especially when they're the star players and origin-level origin players, you kind of expect more from some of the your star players. And it was a really unfortunate end to their season. Although um, at that point, I have to say, they were still in the top eight. <laughs> So they were still coming eight. They were still waiting on uh, the results, which we'll talk about later. But the next game, the primetime game on Friday night, was the Eels versus the Panthers. And look, even though I tipped the Eels, I think the reality is a full-strength Panthers this year versus a you know less than half-strength Parramatta Eels um, resting their players deliberately, as we spoke about last week, Brad Arthur, Resting the players in anticipation of uh, of needing a first up win in the finals next week, um, it, and it certainly look it didn't play out that way in the beginning. It was actually uh, I think it was a twelve six or so at halftime, something like that. Uh, the Panthers' way, so you know it was pretty close, pretty close. Uh, and then the Panthers just blew them away in the second half. They didn't waste any time at all. It ended up being 40 points to six uh, Panthers over the Eels. And look, um, they it, it really, uh, the, the consequence of this, it really, there was nothing to play for for the Panthers. They had already lost the minor premiership with the, the game only a couple of hours earlier. Um, but that didn't stop them. They played very well. And I've got to say, big... Congratulations to uh, Brian Toll, who was absolutely amazing. I think he scored three tries as well. So it was mm. just superb performance. Uh, Luai, you know, all the all the guns are just firing at the moment in the Panthers, and they were really, you know, a pleasure to watch. Even though it was against my team, it was good to see um, just good free flowing football. Uh, they're going to really, really threaten the storm, I think, uh, in the finals if they keep that up. So, uh, again, a, a depleted Eels side, a, a you know Eels B side, um, didn't really expect much from them. And, you know, a, as it turns out, because of the Roosters win, it was a good call by Arthur anyway to rest all of his players because they wouldn't have had a chance to make the top eight anyway at this point. So, um, uh, sorry, the top four uh, at this point. So. That was that. So, uh, quickly, uh, Tish, Eels, Panthers, did you have a look at this game? Well, look, I, I, I did protest and not watch this game um, purely <laughs> on nepotism. Um, you know, the, the coaches' sons were both the halfbacks for both clubs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> First time in it history, but It was the Father's Day Cup. This should have been on Father's Day, this game. This, Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the fact that, um, you know... Uh, Moses, oh, what happened? You know, he played Origin this year. He's no good for Parramatta anymore. 
Um, so, so, They're resting him, mate. They're resting him. Okay, all right, Come all right. on. <laughs> but, but, but look, um, in all seriousness, yeah, look, Panthers, um, you know, while everybody's resting so many players this round, they decided to have their full strength side. Um, almost like a dress rehearsal a little bit, right? So um, we'll see how this tactic works. Uh, um, yeah. towards the well, lucky they had no injuries. So Yeah, lucky they had no injuries. And I suppose at the end of the day, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, both teams, I suppose after Melbourne had won, um, you know, Paramount had a slight chance of being in the top four, but they really didn't really, um, I don't think they really uh, worried too much about it. So I think, I think for both teams, it's kind of more of a, a hit out session, you know, like a, yeah, you know that type of type of thing. So, so I mean, look, they all took it seriously, and there were some um, Parramatta were quite switched on early at the start, but but yeah, it just it just really wasn't. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt like you were watching the game they're about to play rather than the game they're actually playing now. If that makes sense, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, speaking of a hit out with no consequence, uh, Broncos versus Knights. At Suncorp Stadium, uh, the Saturday afternoon game. You know, mm. Suncorp in Saturday afternoon, not the usual uh, thing you'd expect. Uh, but 35-22 was the score. Broncos ahead of the Knights. Um, look, not a good sign uh, to have that kind of a score uh, by the Broncos put against you one week out from the finals. I would have thought that you, you'd be playing, if you're the Knights, you'd be wanting to play with a bit of pride and trying to, really get your act together before the finals, but it wasn't to be. So, mm. um, again, not I, I didn't really catch much of this by the highlights, but not much of a game of consequence, I think, either way. Um, I think for the Broncos, it was all about pride, I guess. And and mm. to that extent, I think, yeah, they uh, certainly, certainly you could say, I mean, at the end of the day, the win took them uh, to 14th spot. <laughs> so... Um, Mm. You know, they ended up with, uh, what was it, 16 points. So seven wins and 17 losses uh, for the year, uh, equal with the Cowboys uh, and, and uh, you know, only only marginally above them in terms of for and against. So um, disappointing year, drawn to an end in a positive way by, by beating, uh, you know, essentially one of the finalists. And look... We'll talk about it later, but the Eels will be very happy with seeing the Knights uh, putting up not much of a fight in the last round because uh, that's their uh, their competitors in in week one of the finals. So, um, shall we move on to the next game, which I think had a lot of highlights, mm. and this was where we found out the the finally the makeup of the top four. So the Cowboys played the Sea Eagles, and Manly had it all to play for. A win would put them into the top four. And not only did they win, they won comfortably uh, 46 to 18. And uh, it was a, especially in the second half, a masterclass from uh, Tommy Trebojevic, mm. who ended up scoring a hat trick, including a try uh, like right at the death. Mm. Uh, right at the death, an absolute uh, a length of the field try. Um, one of those miracle tries. If you happen to have, uh, you know, I guess YouTube it or whatever, look look up on KO or whatever your local streaming service is. Look up just the last couple minutes of this game and some of the highlights because the tries were absolutely unbelievable. And Tommy was uh, all where all over where he needed to be at the right place at the right time. He's got a bit of the, you know, they used to say that about Terry Lamb. Mm. He would always just pop up at the right time to be known uh, as one of the best support players of all time. And I think 
Tommy tends to do that. Um, that's one of the skills that he has is he always ends up being there, the last recipient of the pass just before, uh, you know, uh, launching himself over the try line. But one of the things he also did was uh, he did a bit of a Jared Hayne uh, circa 2009 final series uh, where he basically uh, he beat half the defence pretty much from from a standing start um, to score uh, pretty much a try on his own. It was just unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, absolutely well done, Tommy Trebojevic, a star in the making and probably one of the the, the critical uh, people to look out for uh, in uh, in the final series. And obviously up against Melbourne first up, that will be very interesting. So, yeah. Tish, what are, you, what are your thoughts about Manly in a very emphatic way putting uh, themselves in that top four position? Well, look, unlike other teams who had something to play for and uh, came up empty, uh, Manly uh, turned up and uh, they performed very well. Um, and yeah, as you said, Tommy Turbo, he could be in line with Dalian Player of the Year. I kind of believe that he should get it, <laughs> right? Because I think mm-hmm. he's he's been absolutely um, fantastic. And look, you know, um, I remember earlier in the season, like actually in the off season, um, I did see some training footage of him, um, you know, actually sprinting down a concourse uh, with uh, with a gentleman by the name of Harry. And uh, you know, some people call it the incident. Um, but look, in the end, very effective off-season training, and you could see the full circle, you know, of this by his eighty-minute, you know, his eighty-minute length of the field try, right? So, uh, you know, so there you go. So, uh, for all those haters out there, haters going to hate, but Tommy's going to win, I think. Um, so, and I've got to say, look, that they are probably the most exciting team. We'll talk about the finals later, so maybe we'll just move on yet. So. Yeah, we'll move on. Uh, yeah. Look, Rabbitohs Dragons. Uh, Twenty sixteen was the score. Ahead, uh, Rabbitohs ahead of the Dragons at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Uh, I would have expected a little more from the Rabbitohs, but I think, as we mentioned, there were a couple of positions on the table that uh, the game would have been of no consequence, and this was one of them. Whether the Rabbitohs won or lost, uh, they still would have ended up in third place. So, really, would have made yeah. no difference whatsoever. And I think the you know, Wayne Bennett being Wayne Bennett, uh, you, you'd not want to risk, um, you know, uh, take too many risks. So even though I think they were still virtually at full strength or they had a, a few players out, um, let's not forget they've also had to uh, deal with the Latrell Mitchell suspension, which, uh, you know, being the star player that he is for that team would have uh, would have had a bit of an impact. Um, I didn't really catch much of this, but there was nothing really much to report, I don't think. Yeah. So I'm just going to move on to the – unless you want to have a quick uh, word on that one. No, no, yeah. Look, um, I felt that the Rabbitohs were on top the whole game. Uh, probably the scoreline was a bit charitable to the Dragons. Absolutely. The Titans. This was their opportunity to make their way into the top eight. Uh, the Titans were up against the Warriors on the last day, Sunday. It was a 2 p.m. game, so it wasn't exactly the last game, but they had it all to play for. And as we predicted, uh, Warriors had nothing to play for. Um, they were they were halfway home, I think, mentally. Uh, their Mad Monday would involve them going to see their families in New Zealand. So it transpired exactly like that. The Titans needed to win by 12 points or more 
in order to overtake uh, Cronulla. And not only did they do that, they won 44 nil. <laughs> just to put an absolute exclamation point on that. So uh, the Titans, with that last win in the last round, um, make their way, force their way into the finals. Uh, they were, they looked like they were happy. They looked like they were, went on a rampage. But I don't think we should read too much into it because, as as we said, the Warriors had absolutely nothing to play for, and it kind of looked like that at some point. So I'll leave it at that. Do you have anything to say to this before we go? Sadly, to the last game. Oh, look, the Titans. You know their their big victory. You know, reminiscent of. Uh, you know, Perseus's duel with Medusa. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And look, <laughs> while we're on the theme of uh, the Greek, um, no, I don't know. Tragedy. I don't know <laughs> Greek tragedies. Uh, the West Tigers against the Bulldogs, the Wooden Spooners, lost the game 38-0. Now... <laughs> Look, both teams, you know, if you were to say which team had the most to play for, at the end of the day, you know, the the uh, Bulldogs, uh, bottom of the table, there is no way they can elevate themselves from bottom of the table, regardless of the victory or not. The Tigers, uh, there's no way they could make the finals. They, they can't really go up or down that much. So they had nothing to play for. But there is a little something called pride, and I think the Bulldogs had, a little bit more pride than the Tigers. Uh, you know, they obviously wanted to go out with a win, and that's kind of what happened. But 38-0, Tish, I cannot explain what is going on with the Tigers. And I have to say, as a postscript to this as well, this has put um, Michael Maguire under immense pressure to retain his job at the Tigers. Um, what are your thoughts, Tish, on uh, that loss, but also... What's up with Maguire? Yeah. Well, look, firstly, um, let, let me just commend this Bulldogs team. I mean, you've had a horrible season and you've only won two games coming into your last game and you show up and you win. And I think, um, you know, so I don't want to, I don't, I mean, yes, er, the talk of the town has been the Tigers, but I think we also have to commend the Bulldogs for actually having the right attitude and showing up to the game and um, you know they there was a there was a particular at the start of the game there was I think it was five sets the Tigers had on the Bulldogs line, and the Bulldogs were rock solid. And um, this might be the only game of the year where they've actually been completely rock, <laughs> rock solid as well, right? So um, so that kind of shows you like uh, from that and you know there are also uh, in this team for the Bulldogs there are players. Uh, that may never play in the NRL again. Um, you know, there's um, a whole bunch of players got released. Yoni Katoa, Lachlan Lewis, um, uh, Manu, and a couple of others, Dylan Napa. None of these guys actually have contracts for next year. Um, so were they playing for the NRL contracts? I don't know. But they, uh, without even having a certain future in, um, you know, league, they kind of uh, showed up. Meanwhile, the Tigers... You know, a fair few players that signed up. Yes, they had injuries and so forth. They just, just didn't they didn't have it. Um, you know, there was talk that the players were, I suppose, very critical over the last few weeks around Michael Maguire and his defensive tactics. And, you know, that's the reason why they've been really, really poor at sort of um, holding teams out because they have the second worst defensive record in the league. Um, 
and their four is is sort of relatively in the middle. So obviously defense is a big problem. They're, they're leaking about 30 points per game. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, more than half of defense is attitude. So if you don't bring the right attitude as players, then I think you're never going to win a game. So, look, they're doing a review at the moment. Chances are Michael Maguire, it looks like he's likely to go. Some people are suggesting that the people who are actually doing the review, because it's an internal review, um, like the CEO and the head of football, they should be the ones under review as well. Um, and maybe that's what's needed. Um, and look, what I, you know, and people are talking about, you know, the new centre of excellence in Concord and all this kind of stuff. I always go back to this, you know, Jared Hayne, uh, Greg Inglis and Benji Marshall all lived a street away from each other in Minto when they grew up. And uh, one played for New Zealand, one played for Queensland, one played for New South Wales. That's another story. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's the type of talent that you're letting go. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, my fellow uh, t- Tigers workmate, we went through and we named 15 players that are in the starting lineup for the t- you know top eight teams who are actually all West Tigers juniors. So um, the fact that there's no focus on the Campbelltown, like the Southwest area, um, you know, is kind of crazy considering how the Panthers and the Rabbitohs, um, you know, are sort of renowned for having, you know, junior players sort of coming through the ranks and, you know, they ran second and third, whereas you got the Tigers who are just a 10-year cycle and uh, we don't need to go out and buy any players. We've actually got the, I think we've got a nursery to produce the great players and all the great players for the Tigers are young players, right? Um, so we need a couple of key, like, you know, I think we need a couple of key signings for like, you know, some some really good workmen-like, um, you know, players that will sort of have the right attitude. I think overall, like, I think the focus should be let's build, um, you know, a team from our juniors. I think once we start doing that and we get rid of Brooks, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. I just realised, yeah, Brooks, you know. (laughs) You know, look, look, uh, I think think Luke Brooks, he could probably find another NRL club. but, but I think him in the leadership position at the Tigers, it's just like, it's like, you know, when like there's too much has happened, Can I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's like, um, like sometimes, you know, in relationships too much has happened and, 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 and I feel like there's just so much that's happened on either side where it's like, you know, your halfback, you know, uh, I think the West Tigers put too much on him when he was too young. Right. And then, uh, and then, and then now, when he's sort of getting into the prime, he he hasn't developed himself enough to be a senior player. Um, so I think I think he could be a good interchange half, halfback somewhere else, um, be, being led by by other players around him. I think he kind of needs an, a new a fresh change. I, like that's what I'd say. It's kind of like the Mitchell Pearce New South Wales scenario. Like you know, you, you start him off very young, but then by the time He's uh he's sort of uh, coming into his own. He's he's lost so much, and nobody has any faith in him. That it's very hard to have him in the team anymore. You know, um, I feel like that's the same thing with Brooks at the moment. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's um, yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say he's not the only one. I mean, we the same story. I think for Mitchell Moses and 
you know, a bunch of other players as well. I think that's uh, expectations start out really high and then mm. uh, they don't quite meet the expectations. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe there's not enough mentoring or something's not quite right. And so they don't really get the support that they need to reach the, the expectations that, that people had of these players. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, is, is Luke Brooks the Mark Philippoussis of uh, rugby league? <laughs> I don't is know. What I'm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but like you know, um, you know, you raise a really good point. Like I think a few years ago, um, the Panthers had James Maloney from the Roosters into the squad, right? And I think just having that elder sort of halfback, even though he's probably not the best um, defensive guy out there, um, but just his attitude and the way he sort of wants to win sort of thing. Um, I think it rubs off on the young players to the point where you see um, it feels like the whole team is a, is a team of of James Maloney's, you know, like really hungry to win, like, you know, like so creative sometimes, you know. Um, same thing with Cooper Cronk and uh, the, the Roosters, you know. Like, um, you know, people, are, people sort of often go, oh, the Roosters are a little bit boring. Well, Cooper Cronk got in there and showed them how to be boring, right? But how to be boring and win, you know? Um, That's right. You need winners there, basically. So you, Yeah, you, you need, yeah, the, the, that mentorship. But I think Brooks did not get that. Um, you know, I suppose he had that opportunity with Benji, but he didn't really, like Benji himself is sort of like, you know, you sort of, um, like it's different. It's like the, um, now he was like the, 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 the former hero, like trying to get his career back, right? <laughs> right, you know, mm. as, as opposed to, to the guy who's just, come off a winning um, culture and into your side. So, like, that that's kind of I, – I, I think – but, you know, mm. nobody wants to go to the Tigers as well. It's not like it's a glamour club as well. So, um, I don't well, think – hopefully that will change because I think the, the Tigers, you know, the sleeping – Sleeping tiger, sleeping giant, sleeping lion. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to use different analogies here, but I think that whole area, you know, is ripe for, uh, you know, southwest Sydney is ripe for yep. a, a new kind of, you know, NRL fan, a new the, the t- fans to get behind the team, the team to mm. actually get behind the fans. Um, you know, we've seen that in the soccer, in the A-League, the MacArthur Bulls, uh, you know, made the final. Uh, I guess they made the semi-finals in their first year of of being part of that league, and and the fans respond accordingly. So, you know, it can be done, and I think that they need to sort of really embrace the area. And so, the Tigers, yeah. I think, is not uh, an experiment that should be uh, you know ditched uh, for some time. I think they need to really um, think carefully about how you're going to build that. Um, the presence in Southwest Sydney. Cause I think there is uh, people are still calling out for, uh, for a, a team that will represent them. So, yeah, well, they do have a team in Southwest Sydney that represents them. It's called the greater Western Sydney giants in the AFL. I mean, um, they're <laughs> which, has always... Cam- which has Canberra on their um, shirt, by the way. <laughs> so they <laughs> technically it represents an area, the size of, I don't know, state of texas almost like all the way down to so i don't yeah. know how how that has how they got away with that but anyway yeah <laughs> so look you mentioned maloney and before we close off this tackle mm. uh i wanted to mention james maloney and and segue into uh the catalan's dragons who have made history in the most dramatic of fashions 
by uh, beating St. Helens, who are the current champions in the Super League over there, 31-30 to 30 in a Golden Point thriller in a in the Magic Weekend in Newcastle over there in the in, in the UK, and it allowed them to clinch the Super League Leaders Shield for the first time ever. Now that's kind of like the minor premiership. So uh, unbelievable scenes at this game. Uh, it, if if I can paint the picture for you, if you haven't seen this comeback, I would say. Uh, Anyone out there who's got access to the streaming service that that allows you to look at this game, uh, you don't have to watch the whole game. All you need to do is to watch from the 75th minute on, <laughs> so um, the last five minutes of regular time, and then uh, and then the eight or so minutes of uh, uh, of of extra time. What you will see is the greatest comeback that I've seen at this level. Uh, probably ever, and that includes the game that I was at in 1998 when the Eels were headed to the grand final, uh, and uh, we, we were what was it 18-2 uh, over the Bulldogs. I've I've told this story before, Tish. So apologies for those of you who are bored of it. We were 18-2 ahead, and we ended up being beaten by the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, it was like eight, 11 minutes ago or something like that. Um, and we ended up being beaten by the Bulldogs uh, in extra time. Uh, that I thought was a good comeback. This one, they were 30 points to 12 down to St. Helens. Uh, it was at least the 75th minute when the comeback started. So we're talking five minutes left. I pretty much, the, you know, the commentary, the commentators were talking about, you know, the, the, how disappointed the the dragons would be, you know, uh, they can salvage pride, all that kind of stuff. But what happened in those five last five minutes was ac- absolutely unbelievable. They scored three converted tries in less than five minutes, and the last try in particular was absolutely amazing. Now, Tish, you didn't. Uh, you're telling me you didn't read or see this at all is that correct yeah unfortunately no so look i'm going to paint a picture for you and i'm going to ask you a question uh so in the very last play so they were still down 30 to 24 last play of the game there was uh literally seconds left in fact the the time was almost called uh the dragons uh forget which player it was but it wasn't maloney uh kicked the ball, basically, it was a bit of a bomb. They were about, I would say, 15, 10, 15 metres away from the try line. A whole bunch of players went up. Uh, it it landed just next to the post or, say, five or so metres away from the post. There was a throng of about six players all at once trying to jump up and go for it. And one player from the Catalans Dragons leapt up above everyone else. The ball came into their hands. They basically launched themselves uh, forward. They basically fell down over the try line. Nothing much to do. That player, can you guess who that player that caught the ball and uh, above the pack and and jumped down and scored that try to basically put them 30 to 28 with a kick to come, which was easily converted by James Maloney. Manu can you play? No, well, he doesn't play anymore. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was trying to think of a tall player that's punting on. Uh, no, I was trying to think of a tall player. Look, feel free to look at uh, the, the 
the uh, the lineup if you want, or you can just guess. So I'm I'm happy for you to say I cannot guess. I cannot guess. I cannot guess. If I was to tell you it was Sam Cassiano, would you what? believe me? What? Would you believe me? Really? Because Sam Cassiano. Now it's not that he jumped higher than everyone else, but he certainly jumped, and he caught the ball cleanly. And he fell down and planted it cleanly. So it was got the green light from the bunker. Um, it was amazing. So Sam Cassiano, last literally last second play on the buzzer um, to to basically uh, well, it wasn't at that point. You know, it gave them an opportunity to tie the scores, which is exactly what happened. So Cassiano completed that comeback, unbelievable. But it wasn't over because they went into extra time. And extra time, uh, they had. I think they had five minutes of extra time, and then they swapped. Um, first five minutes, uh, nothing happened. I think they both teams failed at attempts at field goal. Um, the uh, I think the the Dragons one was slightly better than uh, the uh, the St Helens one. But at the very end, who would rise to become the uh, the clutch player? The player that that brought stability to this club, brought that winning edge, despite the fact he's a terrible defender. <laughs> None other than James Maloney. James Maloney, yeah. Forty meters out in the most unlikely of situations, um, kicked the ball. Didn't even see. He basically kicked a, a, a field goal attempt. It was probably I would say ten meters to the right of the of the. Uh, and f- like I said, 40 meters out, but about five or 10 meters to the right of the uh, the black dot. And he was tackled as he kicked the ball and he basically fell down, not having seen, uh, you know, it, the trajectory and whether it was going in the right direction. Um, and it went over and it just creeped over. It was, uh, it was really, really close. Uh, but, it, it did enough. It had the legs, and that's it. He basically won that game for them, the most to complete an amazing comeback and also a historic occasion for them. So James Maloney, we were talking just a minute ago about the winning attitude and bringing the winning, mm. the winning formula, and James Maloney, clutch player, just like Cooper Cronk was for yep. the Storm and the Roosters, did it for the Catalans Dragons. Uh, you know, you got to hand it to him. I mean, wherever he goes, success follows because uh, he, he's just got that um, never say die attitude, I think is, is the case, even though he's not the best defender. Uh, and certainly, you know, I saw the same thing in this game. He, mm-hmm. he was a bit of a turnstile at times, but when, when the chips were down, when it was required, he did what he needed to do. Afterwards, he was um, interviewed and said, look, uh, when when he kind of uh, kicked that goal, I, he 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 knew it was kind of heading in the right direction. He just wasn't sure it was he had kicked it far enough. Yeah. And so he kind of once he got up off the ground, he sneaked a look and it just sailed over at that moment. And uh, you could tell by the players that it had gone over. So he kind of uh, got up and and you know was celebrated and and all that kind of stuff. So. Well done to James Maloney. Well done to Callan Dragons, the first ever non-UK side to win the league leaders' shield in the Super League over there. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the first time in history that that the club from Perpignan mm. uh, is in the top spot at the end of the regular season. It remains to be seen if they can convert that to the, uh, the actual Super League championship in the finals. But... 
with James Maloney on board, I would say and they Sam should feel Cassiano. Ve- and Sam Cassiano, who's added, uh, you know, jumping above the pack as a skill to his uh, his belt. Repertoire, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So well done, Catalans. I mean, we've been saying we want expansion to occur. The Dragons to be successful over there is one of the key steps that needs to happen. Obviously, they're looking at bringing in another club. Um, in uh, I think they're thinking of bringing in Toulouse potentially uh, at some point in the top level there. So hopefully to win, not to. Lose. <laughs> that's right. That's right. yeah. They should change their name. <laughs> but yeah. but look, well done to Catalans. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I would say Tish, as soon as you can, go have a look at this. The yeah. highlights, at least those last five minutes, it was. It was uh, gobsmacked. Uh, I was mm. gobsmacked uh, with how it how it all went down. It was unbelievable, and especially that last minute play from uh, Sam Cassiano, uh, unexpectedly brilliant. Yeah. So well, well, actually, this actually reminds me of a game that happened in 2000 between the Panthers and the Tigers. I think it was round 18, 2000, where uh, the Tigers at one stage were leading 31 to eight <laughs> with 23 <laughs> minutes to go. And yeah. they ended up losing thirty two thirty one. Um <laughs> Wow. Well that's with typical Tigers though. That's typical Tigers, yeah, with 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 Gower. But um I suppose that game was sort of in the middle of the season. I don't think it was like um necessarily too much like for any of the two teams to play. This, however, is is different because you know, you've actually got, you know, end of the regular season, you've got the top team in the Catalans, you've got last year's winners, right? Um as well uh there so 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 really it's it's kind of a you know it's it's a, it's a really amazing thing yeah and uh yeah look uh james maloney it's yeah that's you know he's um i don't know how he's going to be remembered but you know let's hope that uh people do talk about him in years to come because yeah as as a player and a, and a definite winner I, I think um yeah i think he definitely fits that bill absolutely all right let's launch into our previews of the NRL final series week one matches. Uh, before we do, so this is our start of Tackle 2, but we're going to do a bit of an intro to the uh, top eight. So let's just launch into Tackle 2, shall we? Here we go. All right, so we thought we'd crack open the top eight crystal ball that we um, – we we do usually we do the crystal ball at the beginning of the year. So look, um, we had an interesting. So I'll just read out the, your tips for the top eight from the beginning of the season. You had Souths, Storm, Panthers, Titans, Raiders, Roosters, Sharks, and Tigers. So look, I think you did pretty good there. Uh, you know, Raiders and Sharks were in the mix up until the very end. Uh, Tigers obviously not so. Me, I got South Storm, Panthers, Eels. Raiders, Roosters, Tigers, Bulldogs. <laughs> so <laughs> I was way off on the Bulldogs, uh, but mm. obviously, and the Tigers, I guess. Um, but yeah. Uh, so basically, look, at the beginning of the season, we've only tipped five out of the top eight, which isn't too bad. But yeah, um, but yeah, none of us picked Manly. Mm. Manly are now in the top four. None of us picked Newcastle. Uh, and in your case, you picked the Titans. You did not pick the eels to make the top eight, but I did, obviously. So uh, they're yeah. there. So, well, well, you had a very Western City feel to your lineup. You had all of them there, right? I did. I did. 
That wasn't to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. And the other thing I would say is the grand final prediction. Just I'd throw this in there because you tipped the Storm and Souths to make the grand final with Souths to win, and I tipped Eels and Souths and Eels to win. Uh, obviously, I'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit more on shaky ground than you are in terms of that grand final prediction. But having said that, these two grand final predictions are still in play because mm. the way the way the system is set up in the top eight now, as long as Storm and Souths uh, win game one, uh, win the first uh, game, they they will not meet until the grand final. Yeah, and as long as Eels and Souths both win week one. They will not meet until the grand final, so it relies on Souths uh, and Storm and Eels winning for both of our predictions to still be in play. So well, you know, Eels have to win every game anyway, right? Just they do, but I mean, in terms of the side of the draw that they will meet for the Eels and Souths to be in the grand final, they will both have to win game one, so that the Eels uh, continue on this side of the draw. But what happens is Souths. Um, South stay sorry, South stay on this side of the draw, but the Eels, if they win game two, they will then move to the other side of the draw where the Storm are at the moment. So that's the situation. And obviously if Storm and South win, uh uh both are in play. So anyway, I just thought I'd sort of raise that first. But let's get into the first one. Uh, I guess this is a tackle two proper, which is our preview of Melbourne v Manly. And uh here we go. So Melbourne v Manly is the Friday night game at 7.50 at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Um, now, not look, the lineups are what we would expect. I think they're at full strength from what we can see. Yep. Um, we got Papenizen, Jennings, uh, Ramus Smith, Olam, Lumi Lumi, Munster, Hughes, Bromwich, Smith, Welch, Kafusi, Bromwich and Fanukan. In the forwards and on the interchange bench, we've got Harry Grant, Kamika Mika, Asofa Solomona, and Nico Hines. And on the manly side, we've got uh, Tommy Turbo, Jason Saab, Parker, Harper, Ruben Garrick, Foran, and Cherry Evans. Then we've got in the forwards, Aloy, Croker, Taupau, Ola, oh, I keep saying this wrong, Olakatu, Schuster, and Trebojevic uh, on an interchange, Dylan Walker, Carl Lawton, Sean Kepi, and Taniela Paseka with some reserves there that may or may not come in during the week. Um, look, the key thing here is we're talking about a Melbourne team which is now back at full strength except for no Josh Adokar. Um, we've also got the situation where they've rested a lot of their players in the previous round so they wouldn't be as match fit. Um, as you would expect. On the other side, we've got a Manly team that is absolutely on fire and uh, are just in form, probably the form team of the entire comp at the moment, bar the Penrith Panthers. Um, and Tommy Turbo in particular, at number one, uh, finding a way through. Now, we neither of us picked Manly to make the top eight, let alone the top four, but here they are, number four. And I would have to say that... We were talking about Maloney before. One of the key things that we're forgetting is the role that Kieran Foran has played back in this team, mm. back with his old pal Daly Cherry Evans, bringing that yep. stability. I think he is really the key difference, apart from Tommy Turbo really uh, coming into his own and, and being on fire. Having that stability around the halves means that the backs can do what they need to do. If you look at the rest of the backs, 
it's not like as if they're a star-studded backline. <laughs> it's really just Tommy Turbo um, and Daly Cherry Evans at number seven. Foran isn't exactly um, in form, but he does what he needs to do, and he's that's his that's always been his role. Um, and so I think Foran and Cherry Evans, I think, is the main reason why Manly's there. Let's not forget that a short time ago, uh, Manly defeated the Storm. Um, yeah. uh, actually, did they? Uh, I think they no, did. No, yeah. no, no. But they came close. That- they came close. They came close. Sorry. But they came closer than anyone apart from the Eels. <laughs> and uh, and I think it's fair to say that uh, this, even though the bookies have um, – what do the bookies have them as? Uh, let me just have a quick look. Uh, well, I'll let you. I'll let you talk, and I'll tell you what the bookies yeah, have. Yeah, as. as you draw that, look. Um, it's interesting when you put the sides together. You, you actually realise there's quite a number of similarities with the team. You know, they've got a superstar fullback. Uh, both teams have that. You know, you've got like uh, you know, you've got like sort of a halves and five eighth combination who are well experienced and got X factor. Cherry Evans, the foreign monster, and Hughes. Um, and you've got a forward pack of, of like, you know, some devastating um, ball runners, um, some people that could offload, plus some really great workmen uh, like like forwards as well. Um, you know, but there is uh, – and you even have super subs. Uh, so, for example, Dylan Walker is a bit of a super sub for Manly when he comes in, you know, provides mm-hmm. a bit of an X factor. But then you've also got that in Grant and Hines um, – uh, you know, sort of off the interchange bench uh, for Manly too, um, and then you know, uh, I know Paseca has got some value as a as a as a as a devastating forward, but so does the Sofa Solomona, right? So there is a there is so many similarities actually with the way both teams are. So I think it will just come down to obviously tactics and strategy. Um, both these coaches have have like plenty of different ideas and tactics that they'll do. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be a really great game. I just think that probably the only thing that I could see is a bit of a difference, and no offense to Lachlan Croker, um, but the dummy half play of Brandon Smith and then Harry Grant coming off the bench, um, you know, I feel like that is the edge that Melbourne have a little bit. Um but that's not to say that that Manly can't pull off the ups, upset. They they definitely can. Uh, but I think it's just that one key position where they where they probably can't match Melbourne, and maybe that's why I probably still would favour Melbourne over this. Um, but look, you know, both these teams get a second chance draw. And well, the other thing, the other factor is Sunshine Coast Stadium. I don't believe Melbourne have actually lost the game playing in that stadium. So that's also going to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a, a difficulty. Pretty sure that stadium also has uh, wind issues, like at night. Um, oh so, no! So, yeah. so, so, so that could also, um, but you know, with both Peppenhausen and Tommy Trebojevic, I don't think they'll have too many problems. Uh, probably, uh, yeah. So probably the issue might be with a guy like uh, Lumi Lumi. Um, you know, who sort of uh, only played a handful of games this season. Um, you know, he could be he could be something they could exploit. But but other than that, like it's 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 just phenomenal how close these teams are. So, yeah. Doctor T, do you have the odds there? Uh, I have even pain? even better than the odds. I've got a bit of a, a form guide of the last five games. Oh, both okay, of these. Wow. So yeah, five games ago. The Storm did defeat the Seagulls 28-18. to 18. You are correct. Uh, obviously, I've forgotten that they had their unbeaten run. 
we, if you look at Manly, Manly since that game have won four games in a row. They flogged the Eels fifty six ten. They just beat the Raiders nineteen eighteen. They flogged the Bulldogs thirty six eighteen, and they flogged the Cowboys forty six eighteen. Uh, I wouldn't say that that was the most ideal of uh, runs mm. in home. Uh, easy easy games, all of them, uh, I would say, although the Raiders game was a bit close, but they still got out of jail there. If you look at the Storm since that Storm Seagulls side um, uh, game, um, they won 26-16 against the Raiders, 34-20 against the Titans, and then they lost 22-10 against my Eels uh, to to end their unbeaten streak. Um, and then they won the last game, 28-16 against the Sharks, and they were a depleted side then. So if you look at it, they had, you know, they've had kind of relatively easy games. Obviously, the Eels are the only ones that have beaten um, the Storm uh, for a long, long time. And and so I wonder whether that's had an effect on them. What will what effect will that have on them now that they're at full strength? I have no idea. Craig Bellamy certainly got them back on their winning ways against the Sharks last week. But I think when all is said and done, it all comes down to, um, you know, all the records, all the for and against that the, the record that the Storm had this year, the fact that they're the minor premiers, uh, the fact that they've – They've had a great defense this year. On average, they've got 13 points conceded per game versus 20 for Manly. Uh, all of that really comes to a head because this is where it all counts. This is a whole new ball game in finals, and it remains to be seen how ready, how mentally ready the Manly Seagulls are um, uh, with with uh, Des Hasler at the helm. So um, let's see what happens. I mean, I think... Even though the odds are uh, in favour of the Storm, they're at $1.37 versus $3.10 for the Seagulls. I personally think this is going to be a lot closer than than people realise. In fact, I would not be surprised if Manly win this one uh, to ambush the Storm in that first week. So anyway, we'll, we'll give our proper tips later, uh, but that's where I'm thinking. So let's move on to the next game, which is... Um, so here we are, tackle number three, Roosters v Gold Coast. All right, so the Battle of the Beaches, the Gold Coast versus the Bondi Roosters, uh, Sydney Roosters. It's an elimination final. It's being played on Saturday, the 11th of September at 5.40 at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Uh, look, really, in terms of the lineups, we've got, uh, for the Roosters, we've got Tedesco, Tupu, Morris, uh, Josh, Josh Morris there, Adam uh, Kieran. Ikuvalu, Drew Hutchinson, Lachlan Lamb, Waria Hargraves, Verils, Takiaho, Angus Crichton, uh, Tupanua, uh, Victor Radley, and in an interchange bench, Sam Walker, Isaac Liu, Egan Butcher, and Fletcher Baker. And in the Titans, we've got Campbell, Sammy, Curley, Ke- sorry, Kelly, Herbert, Thompson, Tyrone Peachy, Jamal Fogarty. In the forwards, Wallace, Rain, Fatuika, Proctor, Firma, and Fasua Malui, and then Clark, Lissoni, David Fafita, and Jolliffe in the interchange bench. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, we've seen a Roosters team that, uh, you know, basically put the Raiders to the sword um, in, uh, in the final game of the season when they didn't need to. 
uh, in an attempt to get to the top four. They did what they needed to do. They are heavy favourites in this game, one twenty-five, uh, $1.25 versus $4 for the Titans. Um, you know, they're bringing, obviously, uh, uh, if, if I have a look at the team stats, um, the form guide is a bit patchy for both teams. Uh, really, the uh, uh, just prior to the win uh, in the last round, they got the Titans into the top eight. They had... Uh, Look, a heavy loss uh, four games ago to the Rabbitohs, heavy-ish loss to the Storm, a one-point loss to the Knights, and then they defeated the Warriors. So pretty, you know, nothing really spectacular heading into the finals. The Roosters have had uh, a not you know a, a tight loss to the Panthers, a tight win against the Broncos, a flogging of the Dragons, a flogging by the Rabbitohs, and a flogging of the Raiders. So aside from that Robert Rabbitohs game, they they did pretty well. They kept up to speed, you know, they kept up with the Panthers five games ago. But I guess it all boils down to it's an elimination final now. The entire seasons are on the line. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, when you look at the experience that the Roosters have, I think there's no doubt that they deserve to be uh, kind of favourites. In this game, they've got just too many experienced heads there, Tedesco, Tupu, Josh Morris, just in the back line, you know. So versus the Titans that look like they have uh, a bunch of babies in their squad, if you look at their pictures, they mm. look very young in comparison. So, yeah, uh, you know, experienced coach on the Roosters' side, I think all points to the Roosters, uh, you know, making it through this this test Tish, what do you think of the Titans' chances against the Roosters? Well, this game can go anywhere, right? We know the Titans have uh, a really good attacking brand of football. Um, unfortunately, they're allergic to defence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because because you know because they win games like you know like forty-one forty or something like that, right? So, um, so so expect them to come out all guns blazing. Look, they've got nothing to lose. Um, they're in the top eight. Many people thinking, you know. Uh, they're the first team to be in the top eight in a losing season, um, you know. And I think even if um, I think even if they make it to the grand final, they're still going to have like a uh, like a fifty percent record, right? So um, like huge outsiders. But look, the, the fact is, the Titans. It's been a while since they've been in the finals. Um, they got there, um, and and I don't think they want to go out embarrassed. So I think they're going to go out there and play their best type of footy. Um, for the Roosters, yes, you see the familiar Roosters brand there every week, uh, you know, every year sort of in the finals. But look, this is a very different Roosters lineup. You know, um, you know, you've got you've got you know Adam Kerrigan and uh, Matt Ikevalu on one side. You know, Hutchinson and Lamb are the halfback and five eighth. Um, not really the the names that you kind of um, you know sort of see in there. So. Um, a few of these players, it's kind of their first final series. That's that's the other part of it as well on both ends. So, um, so probably the Roosters are going to win this game. I could see, you know, obviously the experience of Hargraves and Rally and everything on this. But look, uh, an upset is not outside uh, of the equation just because I think the Titans can do everything. I mean, any, anything, you know, like uh, I think about a team like the Rabbitohs, they were able to match attacks with the Rabbitohs but just lose out on the end. and. Um, now you brought up something very interesting. You know, um, it's you know ever since I was a young kid and I was watching the 
Surf Iron Man series, I always wondered Gold Coast versus Bondi, you know, the Grant Kenny versus Guy Leach of Rugby League. And we've got it right here. Um, actually, it's Trevor Hendy, right? Who is from Bondi. Anyway, but, you know, you got the Surf Life Saving Cup here, you know, so it's going to be great to watch. And, um, yeah, right. look, P- Peachy and Campbell, like, you know, Preston Campbell and David Peachy's sons playing for the Titans. Uh, it's, I mean, they're exciting when you see them play, right? So, um, so just as long as there's not, un- I think it's the number of brain explosions. If they could keep it down to like less than ten, they might have a chance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's move on to tackle number four, which is Penrith versus South Sydney. Here we go. All right. So the Saturday evening game at seven fifty at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. So we've got, uh, you know, a double header there. Uh, so straight away after this game, we've got a qualifying final which is parent versus south sydney to determine who makes it uh who gets a one week rest and uh it comes back in week three for the grand final qualifying matches panthers are at full strength from what i can see uh we've got edwards Crichton, momorowski burton toho luai and cleary in the back line leota corosau fisher harris kikau capel and yo and then in the interchange we've got mitch kenny uh Lenu and pangai jr and liam martin on the Rabbitohs side, we've got uh, Taff, Blake Taff, Taff uh, Alex Johnson, Dane Gagai, C- Campbell Graham, Jackson Paulo, Walker and Reynolds uh, in, in the half. So some familiar names there. In the forwards, we've got Nichols, Cook, Totola, Kalomatangi, Sua and Cameron Murray. And how's this for an interchange bench? Benji Marshall, Jacob Host, Tom Burgess and Jai Arrow. Yeah, <laughs> I unbelievable, mean, right? That's pretty good. So look... This is an interesting one because if you look at the uh, the sort of the the well the bookies are really putting the Panthers as heavy favourites, one twenty five versus four dollars there um, for the Rabbitohs. But if you look at the team stats, let's have a look at what um, some things of interest. So, in terms of average points conceded, again the Panthers are. You know, known for their attacking football, but they actually have a very good defense. Eleven points conceded on average uh, versus eighteen for the the Rabbitohs. So their defense is what really is going to be the key here. If you look at their last, uh, obviously the form coming in, I think it's clear to say that the Panthers are, you know, easily the form team so far. We've got. Five wins in a row, at least. We've got the Roost 20-14 to 14 against the Roosters five games ago. Then they flogged the Dragons. Um, they they beat, actually, they beat the Panthers 20, uh, sorry, they beat the Rabbitohs 25-12 three games ago. They flogged the Tigers and they flogged the Eels. If you look at Souths, barring that loss to the Panthers, they also had a pretty good run in with floggings of the Eels, floggings of the Titans, floggings of the Roosters, a a small win against the Dragons, and a loss to the Panthers. So I think it's fair to say that this is probably the the game where both teams are coming in with really good, red-hot form. Mm. But for the fact that we had that situation with Latrell Mitchell a couple weeks ago, so that or last week, sorry. So that means I think we can expect a fiery game. We can expect a... Uh, a free-flowing game, and I, I'm actually not sure which way it's going to go. I know the Panthers are favourites. I know we saw um, they're capable of flogging teams, but the Rabbitohs, 
uh, capable of flocking teams too. So yep. it remains to be seen who is the best on the day. Uh, Tish, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think this, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is going to be closer than the bookies are anticipating. Oh, look, absolutely. And I think they've played if not not that long ago. And I know, I know the Rabbitohs lost that game, but I, but I did hear you know, pe- people like Andrew Johns and so forth saying that, look, I think the Rabbitohs will beat beat them the next time round. They were they they sort of improved quite quite yeah. um, significantly against the Panthers. Um, what I think is interesting about this game, look, this is probably the most interesting game of the of the first week of the finals. Um, although actually all the games have some sort of um, you know some sort of storyline to it. This is the ultimate test of resting players <laughs> versus full strength lineup, right? Because if you last round Panthers had this lineup, right? Whereas the Rabbitohs rested Walker and Reynolds, okay? So it's going to be interesting who wins and why, you know? What I'll say about the Panthers, I feel like they they haven't been I think they needed a hit out last week altogether because the week before they were dropping the ball and doing all that kind of stuff. And I, and I feel still think there are a few mistakes in the here or there. Um but as good as the Rabbitohs attack is, I wonder without Latrell Mitchell, can they can they get past like the absolute wall the Panthers have, right? Like um like that is going to be the tricky. Does 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 tough in his what like less than ten games in the NRL? Um, can he be that link man between Walker Reynolds, um, you know Campbell Gra- Graham Gagai, you know Paulo to actually score those tries? Um, I feel like they're just maybe missing it too much. I mean, um, you've got that former Panthers player in there who's sort of uh, not even in this game. Um, so yes, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I, was, I forgot his name, but anyway, but like, yeah, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I think, I think I'm leaning towards the Panthers, but look, this could come down like to one point, uh, you know, shootout between, um, you know, Renewals and Cleary, or it could come down to like, you know, the brilliance of Luai versus the brilliance of Walker, right? So, um. There, there is, there is a lot that could happen in this game. Um, so yeah, and look, if these two can, these two, I suppose technically they could. Um, we can still have a Panthers Rabbitohs grand final, right? Uh, well, yeah, I think regardless of what happens, uh, it's yeah, absolutely. So potentially, so, this could be a, a bit of a warm up towards that. I think yeah, you could be right. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the finals? And I think uh, look. Let's not forget with the Rabbitohs, uh, they've got such experience in the back line. If they needed to shift Gagai or Johnson to the fullback role to cover for any deficiencies, they can easily bring in, uh, you know, or move Cody Walker out there or even bring in Benji Marshall in the centres as a running centre. I mean, he's able to play that role as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know how, how Wayne Bennett's going to use him necessarily, but I know that... He's got that flexibility, uh, versatility, Benji Marshall. So having him on the bench, is uh, it remains to be seen how much he's going to add to this. But um, I think he's got the X factor that potentially if the Panthers have um, 
bit of an off day in defence, he'll be able to find that um, that crack in the defence there. So, um, yeah, look, again, I think this will be a close one. Uh, it'll be a high-quality one, that's for sure. So moving on to the final game. So here we are, tackle number five, Parramatta versus Newcastle. Here we go. All right. So the final game at Brown Park, Rockhampton, on Sunday, the 12th of September at 4.05, is Parramatta versus Newcastle. It's an elimination game. The lineups are as follows. Uh, Gutherson, Dunster, Penasini, Blake Ferguson, or Wanka Blake, and then Blake Ferguson, uh, mm. Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. Then the forwards, we've got Campbell Gillard, Stone, Junior Paulo, Sean Lane, New Corey, and Nathan Brown. On the interchange, we've got Will Smith, Bryce Cartwright, Isaiah Papali'i and Makatoa. On the uh, Newcastle side, we've got Ponga, Tuala, Mann, Best, Hunt, Clifford and Pierce. And in the forward, Saifiti, Braley, Saifiti again, two Saifitis, Jacob and Daniel, Tyson Frizzell, Mitchell Barnett and Connor Watson. And then on the interchangements, we've got Sue, Clemmer, King and Jones. Now, when you look at their form heading into this, uh, patchy for both of them, mm. <laughs> except except this. Well, let me start with the Knights. The Knights had four wins on the trot prior to their last round loss against the Broncos. They defeated the Broncos five games ago, then in a tight one. Then they beat the Sharks in a tight one. Then they beat the Bulldogs in a tight one, and then they beat the Titans in a tight one. <laughs> so the the Knights have not been able to put any team to the sword for a while. Uh, so that's very interesting. Then when you look at the Eels, well, the Eels had two of their worst uh, performances uh, of all, of the entire season uh, five and four games ago against the Rabbitohs and against the Seagulls, who both flogged them. Then they came back with a, uh, a, a flogging of the Cowboys and then an unexpected, for a lot of people, uh, victory against the then record-breaking uh, now minor premiers Melbourne Storm, 22 to 10. So they dominated them. Uh, and then obviously the last round is a write-off because they uh, had a B team uh, get flogged by the Panthers. So when all is said and done, I think it's justified that the uh, <laughs> the Eels are considered favourites at $1.39 versus $3 for the Knights. They're not as much of a favourite as some of the other teams are in the lineups this weekend, but... I think it's fair to say that given what we know they're capable of, we're relying on Junior Paulo, Clint Gutherson, Mitchell Moses to do their jobs. And I think if they're on fire, then this will be an easy win for the Eels. Uh, I can't see the Knights winning this one at all, unfortunately. Mm. Um, as much as I want to be uh, impartial, uh, my Eels bias is coming through here. I think... This is uh, if the Eels lose this, we're going to see Brad Arthur potentially f- sacked. Before <laughs> <laughs> Maguire, and you know, even before Michael Maguire, Brad Arthur will be sacked. So this is the. I mean, look, he took a risk by resting his players, all with the, uh, you know, it, it's a risk that has to come to fruition now. If if they still lose after resting their star players against a Newcastle Knights team, which is probably you know, one of the weakest teams in the finals at the moment, coming off not much of a, uh, well, a loss to the Broncos, It's it will be all in, uh, in you know, in Brad Arthur's court, unfortunately. So let's see how he goes. But Tish, Eels and Knights, what do you think? 
Well, you know, I, I think it actually, it's actually going to come down to, um, you know, Benny's nephew versus, you know, Wayne's son, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, like Mitchell Masters versus uh, Mitchell Pierce, right? Uh, yeah, the two Mitchells going at it, right? So it's the Mitchell Cup. The Mitchell, yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, what could have been for the West Tigers Cup? Um, so, so, look, I, th- I think from that point of view, like, uh, yeah, because obviously, you know, Mitchell played Origin this year. He was, uh, he was very outstanding uh, when when they played against, um, you know, uh, the Storm not that long ago, and were able to win. And I think that kind of showed why they they are probably, you know, they're like the Roosters, you know, a, a, a team that probably could have probably should have played in the top four uh, if it weren't for like the the patchy form they had throughout the season. Um, but look, they seem to have a lot of their lineup back. Um, they are missing Sevo. I think that's more due to the suspension for something terrible. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, so, so that's probably where it is. I think Newcastle are, are glad they've made it to the finals. Um, they've had they've had a, uh, a sort of an up and down season too. Um, but interestingly, like, you know, if you think about uh, State of Origin this year, I, I believe, uh, you know, you've got Ponga, you've got Saifidi, and you've got Frizzell. Um, plus, you know, um, you know, Clem has played in there before, and I think uh, maybe even Heimel Hunt. So you've actually got more origin experience on the Newcastle end versus the Parramatta end, which is kind of interesting that way. So, um, mm. yeah, but I, but, but I think Parramatta, look, Parramatta last year, if I go with last year, there was a game where Gutherson really opened it up, and they ended up losing that game, but the Parramatta showed some good form. Um, their lineup is very similar to what they had last year. Um, so I think from that point of view, they should be able to get past round one. So I'll probably give the edge over to Parramatta from a non-biased perspective. Um, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, um, but 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 I, but I think that should make sense. And I think and I think for Newcastle, I think it's just a, a bit like the Titans. You know, they, they they kind of I don't think anybody's really expecting much out of them. So there is that um, you know sort of uh, you know. Don't don't take us lightly, or or we'll show you type, um, you know, sort of sort of sort of thing there, um, and and yeah, and hopefully Parramatta can can go on, and I think, um, obviously, you know, if they do get a win here, I would say that in the next week, whoever Parramatta play, that's going to be a big game for them, right? Because I think that's the round that they normally struggle in the the second week of the finals, so get past this one, and then. They pretty much play their grand final next next week. Um, in that this is the game that they kind of always sort of falter in, um, you know. And obviously, if they could cl- cross that hurdle, you're only two games away from actually getting, you know, winning winning the whole thing. So yeah. Well, they're three games away. The two games, games to the grand final, unfortunately, but <laughs> that's always yeah, yeah. Well, let's take a one game at a time. That, that's that's one game at a time. That's yeah. it. All right, look, let's put all this together into the tips. So here we go. Our final tackle: the tips. So I had a bit of a shocker last week. I got two out of eight. You got six out of eight. So that brings you closer to my score. Uh, I'm on 124. You're on 120. Uh, still plenty of time to uh, to catch up. Plenty of games ahead in the final series. So let's just launch right into it. Uh, we've given our views uh, of where this might go, but now we're, we're at the point where we need to make a decision. Storm versus Manly. 
Tish, I am going to tip Manly. Okay, I'm, I'm tipping the Storm. Over. That, that right. will be a ball over, but I'm tipping the Storm, yeah. Titans versus Roosters. I think Roosters will win this one easily. Yeah, I think the Roosters for mine just have a bit more edge over the Titans. Panthers versus Rabbitohs. I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. I'm tipping the Panthers. All right, and finally, Eels versus Knights. As I said, I think the Eels will win this one very easily. Yeah, look, I'm going to stick with you. I think the Eels have got this... Uh, not in the bag, because you don't want to say that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Never say that when it comes to the Eels. Never say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but look, it's going to be a great... Uh, you know, it's, uh, the, all four games can, can be absolute classics, you know, um, e- even the ones that seem a bit lopsided. Um, you know, like, um, the, the, you know, the, there is some quality... Uh, plays in the NRL playing this weekend, definitely. Yeah, and next week we'll we'll get into, obviously, depending on the results of these matches, we'll see what the rest of the finals looks like. Um, the results, especially for those qualifying finals this weekend, are going to determine uh, who goes into which side of the draw, basically, <laughs> or who will end up in which side of the draw. So um, there you go. Look, Tish... It's a big one. The finals are upon us. A big episode, a big final series requires a big podcast, and I think we've managed to do that. Another epic, in terms of length anyway, podcast. So thank you very much, everyone, for sticking around and listening to us and our rantings. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. Tanner, to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.